Hey, Cruise-tastic Cruisinators. Jeff Meacham here with a very special bonus episode. So, we had such an awesome time chatting with Kevin Pollack that we couldn't fit all of his incredible stories into one show. So, welcome to our first episode of Meeting Tom Cruise Bonus Edition. Uh, Kevin, he, he also told us some stories about his time with the legendary and arguably greatest actor of all time, Mr. Jack Nicholson, while shooting A Few Good Men. So, without further ado, I give you Kevin Pollack as he tells us about meeting Jack Nicholson. You see, he eats breakfast 300 yards away from 4,000 Cubans that are trained to kill him. Huh? Who, who, who's that an impression of? I mean, it was a, that was Jack. <laughs> Not really. Who was it? It was, it was, it was, you know, winged freak terrorizes Gotham. You know what? Forget it. Just go to the episode. So we have rehearsal and it also is on a empty soundstage with tape on the floor, like rehearsing a play and. And initially, it's just uh, Rob Reiner, Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, and myself. And um, we rehearsed just just us for, I think, four or five days before Jack joins us. Now, because Rob was an actor, I'm convinced this is the reason, the qualifiers, because he was an actor. When he gives direction, and maybe an actor is not getting it, Rob will end up acting out the scene, but not in a... Not your way. Don't do it that way. Do it this way. Not a real line reading, but just he gets so caught up in explaining. He's, you know, you get to the thing and you go, nobody likes the whites. And, uh, you know, you, whatever it is, he'll just sort of act out a couple of beats. Right. Right. Without really implying, here's how you should do it. He just can't help himself. Um, so during the four or five days that we rehearsed, Tom, Demi and I got used to that. So when Jack shows up and we do a scene with Jack for the first time, and, and, you know, the first time Jack does the soliloquy from the stand, he's letter perfect already in rehearsal. Uh. It's absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> it's truly absurd. Unbelievable. Not only does he not have to be letter perfect yet. Right. Um, he doesn't have to give 100% during the first rehearsal. There's just no reason for it. So he finishes and Rob is enthusiastic and effusive and, and excited and then says and also and also but you know when you get to that point where you think and then rob starts to act out a little bit of the thing if you had an overhead camera <laughs> looking down on all of us you would see tom to me and i take two steps back shift you shift it <laughs> yep with anticipation of... I'm, uncomfor I'm uncomfortable hearing about it 30 yeah. years later. I can't imagine being... <laughs> oh yeah. God. We took a group step back as Rob continued to give Nicholson a line reading. <laughs> At the end of which... And Rob is... Uh, he's doing his thing. He's not giving a line reading. He's doing his thing. So it's not as offensive to anyone. But it's still that thing. Rob finishes, three of us have stepped back, Jack is smiling, and Jack looks up at Rob and says, Yes, well, I guess I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was the cleanest shot over the bow that any actor has ever 
ever so respectfully and gently said, mm. back the fuck off. Right. <laughs> right. I got this. I, I, as it turns uh, out, Rob, I'm I'm Jack Nicholson. <laughs> now, to, to Jack's and Rob's credit, they, they developed an instant uh, rapport. And Rob's story that I'll share briefly, just in terms of wrapping up the sort of Jack of it all. Um, when they we got to the courtroom to shoot it, Rob went to Jack and said, do you want us to do your coverage first or do you want us to start on them to let you get, get up to speed and, and get a bunch of shots in? And Jack said, uh, yeah, yeah, no, start on them. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get up to speed. That sounds great, Robbie. And uh, after a couple of takes, Rob is watching Jack. We're all watching Jack give 100% off camera to the point of he's going to he's going to lose his pipes. I mean, this is right. It ends in a very loud exchange. I don't give a damn. Yeah, yeah. he's hitting that hard. I'll yeah. rip out your eyes and piss in your dead skull. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the exact lines. <laughs> you killed people today. That's what you did. So um <laughs> So after a couple of those, Rob in in private goes over to Jack and says, hey, um, you're really uh, giving more than, I mean, respectful to the other actors to give, you know, a good off-camera performance. But I need you for later. We're going to do a lot of coverage before we get to you. If we're still going to do, yeah, 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 no, do the coverage. And Rob says, well, it's just that, you know. I, I need you to save a little for the tank. You don't have to give this much. And Jack said, well, Rob, I, uh, I just love to act. <laughs> yeah. How could you possibly argue with that? <laughs> yeah. So I'll give you one last one that was arguably the most surreal moment in my entire uh, film acting career. I've done a, a few films. I don't know the exact number, ninety-one, but I will say <laughs> that that six of the six of them are quite good. Um, <laughs> not the best batting average. So, so I'm not kidding when I say I did not seek out a a small talk conversation with Jack ever, ever. I just I just didn't want to be that guy because everyone was sure and. And one particular day, Jack and I had been released at the same time to go back to the trailers. And I was walking by myself and I heard him a few steps behind me sort of mumbling to himself. Now, this particular day was a was an odd day. It was a horrible day, um, not just for L.A. Laker fans, but the world over, because this was the day that it was announced that magic johnson was hiv positive yep. yeah 92 right yeah 91 90, or 91 yeah 91 and uh i i can't stress enough for anyone who wasn't uh of a of a certain age to understand the complexity of this announcement but it it was the first time that it was no longer their quote-unquote disease it was everyone's disease mm. right. a very high profile family man contracted this disease and it really was a, a turning point in a lot of people stepping up and raising funds for this issue. But in the moment, everyone working on this Los Angeles crew was freaking out for myriad reasons. And, and I would see them throughout the course of the day, one at a time, sort of go to Jack. Because we have the ultimate Lakers authority. He flies with the team. You know, I mean, this <laughs> is not just courtside. 
And so I see people asking him, what does this mean? What, what, how, how, no one can wrap their brain around it. Now we're back to that point where I'm walking in my trailer and a few yards behind me, I hear Jack sort of mumbling to himself. And I turn around and he's just saying, it's surreal. Well, fucking thing is surreal. It's just surreal. And he gets to his trailer and he puts his hand on the knob and he stops and he turns back to me and he says, you want to know surreal? You know, and I'm stepping out of my own brain. And I'm going, I'm sorry, Jack Nicholson. Did you just ask me if I wanted to know what you think is surreal? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and then he says the next most ridiculous sentence ever. I'm doing this picture Chinatown. I'm sorry, Jack. Did you just start a story talking to me with I'm doing this picture Chinatown? I've heard of it. And one day I'm rehearsing this scene with John Houston and uh, our two characters are talking to each other. And uh, you have to understand, I worshiped the man. He meant more to me than my own family. I would I would do anything for this man, honest and true. And um, while he's uh, saying his dialogue during the rehearsal, I see over his shoulder about 50 feet away his daughter, Angelica, who's coming to visit the set. And, uh, well, I had just started banging her a couple of weeks before. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I'm thinking about how how betrayed John might feel if he were to find out. And, 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 and he meant so much to me. I would have killed her if that's what he wanted. <laughs> that's how much this man means to me. And I, I'm thinking about all this as we're rehearsing. And I come out of my own thoughts back into the scene at the exact moment that his character says to mine, Mr. Giddish, are you sleeping with my daughter? <laughs> now that's surreal. <laughs> and he turns and he enters his trailer and i'm standing in a parking lot on the culver studios lot by myself looking around for a witness <laughs> did anybody else see that <laughs> all right we gotta take a quick break we'll be right back with some more bonusnessness. All right, we're back. Kevin, take it away. What happened is I'd go to work and walk on set and, and Rob would say, have you heard about Godfather Night? We're going to do Godfather Night this Saturday. And I said, I just got here, Rob. I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> we're all invited to go over to Tom and Nicole's and um, we're going to have a, a little, you know, some snacks and drinks. And then we're going to go into the screening room. We're going to watch Godfather. Then we're going to break for a giant Italian feast. Uh, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Load up on load up on espresso because we're going back in and we're going to watch Godfather 2. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> the only thing that would have made that story better is if he was like, and then we're going to watch Days of Thunder. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that coming. I thought, <laughs> That's a left turn. I thought we'd go back to back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, and then there was, I walk on set and Rob, it was always Rob telling me, have you heard about Vegas this weekend? And I said, ah, don't know. No, I don't. Um, so that ends up being the first time I valet parked my car on a tarmac. 
get the private plane? Is this almost, the private plane? Almost everything about my experience on A Few Good Men was the first time, dot, 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 by the right. way. <laughs> sure. And, and each one of them is such ridiculous rarefied air that not only am I acutely aware, this will simply never happen again. Yeah. You may continue to work. You may end up working with movie stars. You may fly private again. You may go to Vegas. You, you know what I mean? But they'll never be. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. May, you may watch The Godfather. But you, it'll never be. The, so, yeah, you're, I parked. Now, when I arrived on the tarmac with my car, I expected <laughs> them to throw me a red vest and say, please help us park these cars. You know, I really did. I, and, and, and would have been super fine with that. Even if it was joke, we're all going to Vegas, Kevin, you're not. I would have laughed. I would have parked cars, and it would have been a great story. But on the plane was Tom and Nicole, Bruce and Demi. So Bruce Willis was married to Demi Moore at the time, and he was shooting Death Becomes Her on the soundstage next to ours. So, so the truth is, he, Bruce was on our set more than his own, loitering on our set. Um, wow. And that's when I met and became lifelong friends with that other ridiculous movie icon um you you were just you were constantly in this pocket of the largest movie stars on the planet every single day yeah, on the so, planet so on the plane is bruce and demi tom and nicole kevin and kira kevin bacon kira cedric um myself and and my girlfriend at the time and rob's producing partner andy scheinman and on the plane bruce and demi start talking about how a very short ride of course i think it's 37 minutes in the air I don't know why I remember that number. So on the plane, it's quickly discussed that Bruce and Demi got married in Vegas. And then it comes up that everyone on the plane that's a couple uh, is married except for my my girlfriend and I, who've been at that point living together for at least seven or eight years. And so now all those famous faces oh, no. are now chanting, oh, no. do it, do it. <laughs> oh, because you're going to Vegas. Do it, do it. Right. And- and because I, we've been living together for seven, eight years, we've already talked about marriage and what it means to either one of us and how it, it was probably not going to happen no matter if we're together 30 years. We just didn't care because we weren't breeders and it just didn't make any sense. And so I look at her like, if we were to ever get married, <laughs> this would be the fucking way to do it. Yep. <laughs> Do you see who the wedding procession is, honey? Yeah. And Jack, Jack, she, is the, Jack is the chaplain. <laughs> yeah. Jack was not on the plane. Jack did not make the trip. Dearly Cause, beloved. Because he's too cool. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, uh, being more sound mind, said, yeah, no, my, my mom would, would kill me. This is not how, right. this is not how this is going to happen. And she also said... We're still going to go to Vegas with these people and hang out with them. Why don't you fucking calm down? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we yeah. don't need to get married to make this special, you idiot. Right. Um, and she was right. So uh, uh, so we, we, we land in Vegas. There are limousines waiting for us on that tarmac. They take us to the MGM Grand. We file like a single line through the MGM Grand. And I'm behind... I'm behind several of the giant movie stars. So I get to see the wake of people as we pass them do that head. Like, I was that Bruce? Will was that Don Cruz? You know, just completely losing their minds as we snake through the center of the floor, the casino floor with security, but still, and make our way to a gambling, a private gambling parlor 
where we gamble for three or four hours, then we break for a big Chinese feast, then we gamble for another couple hours, then we get back on the plane and go home. There's no spending the night. It's just the uh, Vegas trip. Yeah. Uh, huh. One point sidebar, I get up to go to the restroom and I walk by and, and there's only one of us playing craps in this private gambling salon. And it's Bruce. And he looks at me and he goes, hey, Kev, throw the bones. And he hands me, he's trying to hand me the dice. He's throw the bones, he says. And I look at the chips on the table, and and there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of money on that table. And he's the only one playing. And I say to the crap dealer, how much does he have in play? And without even looking down, the crap dealer says 106000 And I hand the dice back to Bruce, and I say, yeah, I'm not throwing the fucking dice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seven. We're sorry, Kevin. You're also out of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I say, I'm not throwing the dice. He said, just throw them. What do you, what doesn't matter? One of us is going to crap out. Just throw the damn dice and he won't let it go. And it's John McClane and he wants me to throw the dice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I throw him. It, it, he doesn't crap out and I run from the table because I got away with it once and that was, that was just a miracle. You just threw one. You just threw one set. <laughs> just threw one. He probably won 11,000 or whatever the hell it was because I didn't crap out. Right. And with that many chips on the table, you're going to win with every roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that that was a ridiculous. And this is during filming. <laughs> this is during filming. It was lunch. They were actually waiting for them back on set. <laughs> yeah, during filming. Also, as we get into '92, we're still shooting, and it's um, the Super Bowl. Uh, Bills, right? Bills. And yeah, I'm trying to think. It was the Washington Red uh, Football Team. Bills Redskins. Uh, Bills Redskins. Redskins right? uh, they certainly were the Redskins yep. in '92, and. Because Bruce, again, was working on Death Becomes Her, his castmates were there. And I will say, in terms of football fans, you have not lived until you've heard Meryl Streep yell at the TV, Stick him! <laughs> <laughs> of all the yeah. phrases. <sighs> she said, Stick him. She said, Stick him. To the middle linebacker who was playing on the television, she yelled, Stick him. <laughs> that is not what I expected from the most iconic actress of all time. Stick him. Nope. Stick them. And that's Goldie Hawn, too. Were you also then hanging out Goldie with uh, her man Go as well? Go Goldie and Kurt were, were also oh there. Oh, my God. It really oh was God. stupid. It really was stupid. It was the whole <laughs> the whole thing. Meeting Tom Cruise is hosted by Jeff Meacham, Joel Johnstone, and me, Alec Lev. Strangely, and without warning, uh, your guest has been replaced. <laughs> <laughs> it's also produced by the same... Alec Lev. Hey, Mr. Walken, how are you? Our executive producers are Doug Matica and Dan Patrick. Our engineer and mixer is Alex Reeves for Point of Blue Studios. Frankenstein never scared me. <laughs> editing by Alec Lev, with additional editing by Alex Reeves. Marsupials do. <laughs> Our music is by H. Scott Salinas and Matthew Atticus Berger. Because they're fast. <laughs> Artwork by Rebecca Montoya. Executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Pinella for Workhouse Media. We are a production of Meeting So-and-So in association with Workhouse Media. Find us online at Meeting Cruise on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our website and show notes at meetingtomcruise.com and you can email us at contact at meetingtomcruise.com. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Please give us a rating. Five stars are much appreciated. And write a review. It really helps people to find the show, and we just might read it on the air. 
Meeting Tom Cruise was created by Jeff Meacham and Alec Lev. Meeting Tom Cruise is a production of the Dan Patrick Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. I had just started banging her.